Hi, I'm Tracy. I'm April. And this is Killer Spirits. cocktail today oh man and it was a big cocktail actually it was really big so make sure you listen to episode 20 it was fucking delicious it was so good like i've never had a cocktail like that nor have i made one like that Mm -mm. so i never pick the sweet ones off the menu no and it well i do i do like the sweet ones sometimes but yeah and it was so beautiful and red it really was. My bloody Valentine. My bloody Valentine. <laughs> I think that is an actual song. We're laughing because <laughs> I turn <laughs> I turn our volume off during most of the theme song. But, but we I o- still like to sing. But we always dance to it. <laughs> yeah. Or like we orchestrate it with or our hands. I do a little opera. Yeah, she does a little <laughs> opera. And we're laughing because I was thinking, wouldn't that be so funny if I just cut the actual audio out and just had you doing opera I, that'd be actually really cool it would be funny i'll do it someday someday i think it has to be a two mar- a martini day though yeah but you could actually probably sing good opera you mean me personally yeah like it would probably sound good oh thanks if i did it it would sound like ass <laughs> that's not true it would be a complete joke <laughs> but if you did it, it would probably sound pretty good you're funny well welcome, welcome to episode 21 we're in 21 i'm so excited to be here on episode 21 we're again legal in episodes to drink oh yeah now we're like drinky legal it's our birthday (laughs) not really our birthday but you know what i mean yeah close enough yeah so i'm excited about your cocktail because i am not a champagne person i am a prosecco person right but they are different they are very, they are different. And I feel like I should probably do a side by side soon to see what exactly it is that I like about Prosecco versus champagne, because I am never like champagne. Well, here's the difference I see, uh, minus all the regional and, you know, technical aspects of it. Champagne to me is, has more of a specific flavor, whereas mm-hmm. Prosecco is crisp and clean. Yeah. Whereas like champagne is more like a Chardonnay-ish flavor where it's like rounder Mm. and Prosecco is crispier. Got it. In my opinion. Yeah. I feel like Prosecco kind of has like a little peach element to it. Yeah, a little bit. But this drink that you've made with champagne. Champagne. (laughs) Because we're talking about France today. Yes. Actually not true champagne. Oh, this isn't true champagne? It is. uh, Sparkling wine. Chandon. Oh, because California champagne only comes from that right. specific region of France. So it is champagne grapes, but not grown in champagne. They're grown in California. Got it. So it's a sparkling wine, technically. So basically, you are a, a fucking asshole. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say that. <laughs> I am faking it. I was going to say you're, you, you have like the bootleg version. Yeah, <laughs> but it's still good. Shandon has a good winery. No, this is really good. Um, I'm enjoying this. So this is a French recipe for French 75. 
Yeah. Basically. Um, and the recipe is, what, I guess I should say the name of it. We're calling this the catacombs martini because mm-hmm. we were talking about the French catacombs today. Yes. I'm so excited about this. Me too. I know literally nothing about the French catacombs. I had to take a break from some of the hoo-hoo that we did. <laughs> I don't know what that sound what was. What was that? <laughs> you know. Like the creepy gross the, stuff. Like the, the chicken coop murder. Oh, yeah, you yeah. know, like it really, Lord really wears on you when you're like doing deep dives into it. And mm-hmm. I this was actually really fun to research. Cool. That's good. I had a good time. I'm happy. Um, so this recipe is, I made two drinks. So I did two ounces of gin. I used the Sipsmith gin, which has a really beautiful, um, goose on the front of it. And it's really good gin. It tastes delicious. It is. Um, one ounce. Don't be sleeping on the gin. Don't be sleeping on the gin. We told you. (laughs) So this is a very good recipe when you're introducing yourself to gin. If you think you're a gin hater, make this. And let me gin know how hater. you feel. I feel like you need a shirt that says gin hater on it. Gin hater. No, I'm a gin lover. Gin lover. Yeah. Uh, one ounce of freshly squeezed lemon juice. One ounce of simple syrup. And three ounces, or until you fill your glass, of champagne or other sparkling wine. And I garnish with two raspberries. Very simple recipe, too. Yeah, very easy. So you do like, um, you do it all in a shaker. With ice. Yeah. That's what I meant to say. And not the champagne part, though. No. Leave you the do the out. other part in the shaker, pour it float in your the glass, champagne. then float your champagne yeah. on the top. So it's kind of like a take on a mimosa, sort of. It Except kind of is. The orange this is juice. better. Because I'm not really lemon. into mimosas. Him either. I think this is better. Yeah. And I think that if you were having a nice dinner party, I mean, you know, if you want to entertain mm-hmm. out in the world... You could make this very simple drink, and it seems very high end to me. Oh yeah, you know, I mean, it's like it's boot. Dare I say it's bougie. bougie? It's a little bougie. And the good thing about recipes that have very simple ingredients and then a float on top is that you can make them in big batches. Yeah. So you know, if your parts or your ratios, you could make like a pitcher of yep. this, dole it out, and then float with champagne. Yeah. Very simply. Very for simple. Fifty people, if you wanted to. Wow. Don't have that many people. And it would be COVID. like. <laughs> very fancy yeah people would talk about it especially yeah. if you have these cute little oh they all fell off these cute little picks with diamonds and i know we got diamond picks we're fans we're getting so we're fans yeah. <laughs> just to shorten everything mm-hmm. we're fans now mm-hmm. <laughs> we're fans in france i'm with it <laughs> I'm really excited to hear this one. Yeah, so this one's fun. Let's talk about the French catacombs. Running into stuff. What are you doing? We really should not do two full cocktails in one day. We're only like, what, two hours into our day? Uh, Only? It's three. Oh. We started at like one. Oh, jeez. Look at us. We're throwing them back. And we did a test cocktail that was shit. Oh, God. Tell them about the test cocktail. It tasted like booty. So here's the thing. I think this, the thing. I think the thing that tastes like straight booty is is the razzmatazz. I think that's what tastes like shit. Okay, so the, here's I my hate thing. It. Razzmatazz is supposed to basically be like a Chambord knockoff. People it's, said that the taste was indistinguishable. I don't believe it. I think we just need to break down and buy some Chambord I'll buy and a little one. do a, little a freaking side by side blind test, see which one we like better. Because this is the second drink we tried with razzmatazzum in it, blah, 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 and we did not shit. like it. It was shit. Mm-hmm. I tried to do a peanut butter and jelly shooter, and it was 
Awful. No, it, it's just not good. It's bad. And we did a whole video on it, and then we tasted it, and we were like, who? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we recorded the whole video, and we were like, oh, this is great. Well, yeah, yeah. We would then, never give you guys something like that. Trust nah, me. Nah, 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 we no. take this very seriously. We will reshoot it. We will, yeah, we will find something else, because we want to be able to enjoy it and drink it. And if yeah. we do not enjoy it and drink, want to drink I'm it, we're it. not going to give it to you. No. That is our promise. And I'm not shy about <laughs> dumping alcohol down the sink if I don't like it. Oh, I dumped that shit. It was such a big pour, too. I know. I was like, oh, my God, I'd be flat on the floor if I drink oh this Oh, my gosh. Thing. It was a lot of vodka. Yeah, and the color was supposed to be this really pretty lavender color, and it just looked like dirty water. I'm not yeah. sure what happened. Oh. I just had a thought. Oh. <laughs> the difference for me between champagne and Prosecco is the hay flavor you get in champagne. Hey. Because the hay flavor is also in... Chardonnay? You mean like, like actual hay? Yes. Like barnyard hay. Maybe that's why I don't like the champagne. Because Chardonnay has the same thing. Mm, I do like Chardonnay sometimes. And Sav Blanc has the same. Interesting. And also some white blends. You'll get a hay, like a grassy hay flavor. I have a white that's open right now that has that flavor. Okay. I that's think it, the difference. I think it would actually be fun if we did some videos of like taste testings. Because uh, yeah. I, I have done that with Jason recently where he's given me... Because, again, I, w- I thought I was a gin hater. Mm-hmm. Realized I need to change my shirt to gin lover. Mm-hmm. Because he started doing some blind taste tests with me of different gins. And I'm like, am I literally drinking straight gin? And he said, yes. And I'm like, this is bonkers. So good. Mm-hmm. I loved it. So, yeah. So, yeah, if you, like, go to take a sip and, like, really breathe in through your nose. Botanicals. You can get that, like, waft of, hey, like, it's hard to explain, and it tastes you're good. Saying. Yeah. But it's um, maybe not everybody's taste. Yeah. Which is maybe why you don't like champagne. That could be. I just had uh, a brilliant moment. Oh, my God. She had a thought, <laughs> and she thought it out And loud. my allergies are really, like, not bad today. And mine were terrible yesterday. So I'm, like, really able to smell. Oh. Because usually my nose is, like, 95% plugged. <laughs> so. Is that how you just live your life? Yeah, it's my life. <laughs> And I can't take, this is funny. So I take allergy pills that are non-drowsy allergy pills. One lasts maybe five hours. Mm, That's not long enough. And then if I take another one, I will literally pass out. Oh, so like two non-drowsy equals drowsy? Oh, yeah. Interesting. Like knocked out, like I will fall asleep in this chair. Oh. Yeah. So basically, I just have to choose which five hours (laughs) I want to be good. And that's when I take my allergy pill. Oh, my gosh. So, you know, sometimes it's for the podcast. Sometimes it's in the morning because I can't breathe. Yeah, you got to choose your time, baby. You never know. Well, are you ready to talk about the catacombs? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm excited. I wish we had, like, pictures up. I see pictures. I know. I will definitely put some pictures up because it's very, very cool. And I will say this. Um, so I was, I did visit France, I think in 2004, 2005. Okay. No, I think it was 2004. Um, and I didn't really know anything about the catacombs back then at all. And I'm very upset because I would have gone, <laughs> obviously, because yeah. this is definitely my jam. Um, and you know, I've always really been into history and stuff, so I'm not sure why I didn't know about it back then. Hmm. But I have, of course, learned about it not just now, but you know, between 2004 and now, I've knew about it. Right. Um, 
and I've always been really fascinated by it. And I didn't know a lot of the history. So it is really interesting, um, you know, what we'll talk about today. So I'll tell you. I'm excited. Let's go. The only pictures I've seen are the ones with bones. That's what's there. (laughs) All right. So Paris, so beautiful. I love Paris. Paris. It is such a gorgeous city. I love it. We have one listener from Paris. No, from France. (gasps) Not Paris. Hi. Hi, French listener. Hello. Oh, my gosh. If you're here. Whoever it is, downloads like every episode right after we post it. So I love you. you. We both love you. (laughs) Adore you. Well, I'm talking about your city today, which I do absolutely love. And I I have a picture of with Jason and I. I guess there's like these three things that are like the most romantic in France. And if you stand in this one spot, you can see all three of them at the same time. Oh. So like one of them is a fountain and then the Eiffel Tower and then there's something else. Obviously, I can't remember because it was years ago. But mm-hmm. I have a picture of Jason and I kissing there because, you know, oh. you have to. Though I, I could never get to the top of the Eiffel Tower. Oh. I was terrified. Oh. I went halfway up. I have a very, I, I fear heights. And yeah. the elevator goes, cuckoo, cuckoo, yeah. yeah. That's no. how the Empire State Building is, too. Uh, not anymore. Oh, no? I was just at the Empire State Building last it's year. It's not bad? No, it's not bad. Oh. Yeah. It was like a death trap when I went. No, it's it actually, they made it Maybe like it's a Disneyland it. right now. Oh. Like, if you look up on the ceiling, they're like, and how we're going up. And it's like, <laughs> really? Yeah. And there's like all these graphics and you're just like, this is not what I recall from my last no. visit here. It looked like a bank. First yeah, of all. It does. But now it's more like Disneyland-ish. Oh. I'm not really into it. And then you had to get off one and go on the other. And it was like, ca 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 That was the old school. Yeah. Yeah. Creepy. Scary. So back to Paris. <laughs> so maybe the elevators are better at the Eiffel Tower now. That's true. They might you be. You never know. So Paris is known as La Vie Lumière, or the City of Lights. Paris is not called the City of Lights because of Liddy Boulevards and Bridges, even though we might think Liddy. that. Liddy. So the real reason for the city's name actually stems from the mid-17th century, when Louis Fourteenth, also known as Louis, I think it's Louis. Louis, I don't know. Someone tell me. Lewis? Is it Lewis or Louis? It's got to be Louis. I feel like when I listen to British people, they say Louis. Oh. So I don't well, know. Well, the Brits would know, I think. I'm going to say Louis. So Louis the Fourteenth, also known as Louis the Great, or the Sun King, which I'd actually never heard that. Sun King? When he was on the throne. So after a prolonged period of war and domestic civil strife, the king was committed to restoring the, the public's faith in law and order, which is, that's hmm. a good thing. Mm-hmm. And so on March 15th, 1667, Louis XIV made Gabriel Nicola de la Reine the lieutenant general of police, entrusting him with the task of making Paris more safe around that time. So in addition to quadrupling the number of policemen in the city, one of the measures was to install more lighting. Oh, okay. Because obviously back then they didn't have a lot of lighting. So lanterns were placed on almost every main street and residents were asked to light their windows with candles and oil lamps because, you know, with light comes happiness and less crime. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Obviously. Oh, is that why they called him the Sun King? Possibly. I don't actually know the history behind that, so I lighten it up. He'd be litty. (laughs) (laughs) So the idea was to prevent lawbreakers from dodging the police or hiding in dark Mm -hmm. alleys around that time. And it would reduce the crime rate, like I said. So from here on, the city gained the nickname La Ville Lumière, the city of light. Just kind of cool. I didn't really know that about that. And at the time, Paris was one of the first European cities to adopt street lighting. It had to have been so scary with no lights. Yeah, I mean, I know in our episode Burke and Hare... (coughs) 
Sorry. Excuse you. Sorry. <laughs> we talked about um, we talked about that where they just really didn't have any lights. And that was in the 1700s. I'm trying to think of like going down a dirt road with no lights. I oh, know now when we go somewhere. Dark. With no lights. I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, my I can't God. Do this. So let's go w- way back further than the 1600s. Mm-hmm. During the time the Romans occupied Paris, it was called Lutetia. I hope I'm saying that right. Mm. I feel like I've met someone la- named Lutetia before. Or Lutetia. Yeah, it's actually a very cool name. Mm-hmm. Back in 52 BC or CE, whichever, however you want to say it. What? Well, before Christ or common era. Just depends on which way you say oh, it. Oh, I didn't know there was two One's more of like it. a Christian way of saying it. One's the non-Christian way of saying it. Okay. Uh, so long before the Romans arrived, Paris and the surrounding area were covered by a tropical sea. Mm-hmm. And several meters of sediment and mud accumulated at the bottom of the sea and became limestone over time. Ooh. A great variety of sediments are found in Paris. And since antiquity, they have supplied large quantities of building materials in the form of sand, sandstone, clay, and gypsum. Interesting. I would never think that France is like an exporter of building material. Well, it's not really an exporter. It's just found there. Oh. That's just limestone that just was created naturally over right. time. Yeah. So Lutetian limestone, also known as Paris stone, supplied the major part of building stone until the early 20th century. Huh. This high quality stone began to be used in antiquity for the monuments of Lutetia and was obtained from an open from open pit quarries dug into natural outcroppings in the valley. So after being partially abandoned in the Moravian times, Moravian, I know I'm saying this wrong. Moravian, Moravian. <laughs> Basically that was 1200 years ago. Oh okay, gosh. in case you guys were wondering. Okay. Uh, which was 5th century, okay, until 751. Extraction started once again in the Middle Ages when the major Paris work sites were put in place for the buildings of churches, the Louvre Castle, city walls, and that sort of thing. Cool. Okay. So that's, they just used the limestone basically to make all the shit. Right. And really, Lutetia, the Roman, was just a very... It wasn't like this grand city. It was just this little tiny city. I think there was like 10,000 people there. Oh, okay. Or something like that. So, I mean, the Romans were really everywhere first, I feel like, before anyone else. Yeah. So they were there, and they started digging this limestone. That's kind of when it started. Mm -hmm. So as the old quarries deepened, they progressively evolved into an underground operation with the digging of galleries to reach the banks that were furthest away in the rock. And the turned pillars were put in place to support the ground, and during the 15th century, a well system made it easier to bring up the stones. So if you think about how heavy a limestone is, yeah. just think about doing that in like the 15th century. It's I kind of crazy. Yeah. So this was also much cheaper and easier than trying to bring limestone in from other places outside the city. Oh, yeah. So they're basically just digging up from inside the city. Mm-hmm. And Notre Dame was also built from the stone carved from these mines. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So the stone wall and the stone walling and filling method was developed in the late Middle Ages and it consists in extracting all the stone from the quarry without leaving a supporting part, then consolidating with the addition of dry stone pillars known as piliers à bras. I hope I'm saying that right. So between these pillars, stone walls were erected to contain the backfill and make circulation in the quarry easier. Unfortunately, the digging of these quarries was not well regulated by oh. the Parisian authorities at all. 
Okay. I mean, you're building tunnels under the city, and common sense tells you that's going to probably weaken the ground above. Right. If you don't have a lot of support. I yeah. just hit my I just hit my cocktail. Do not knock your cocktail over. <laughs> don't knock the cocktail. So, and you know what happens then? Basically, collapse. Right. Right? Your streets fall. You're, yeah, your streets fall, which is not a good thing. So, the first major collapse happened in 1774. One of the tunnels connecting the mines collapsed, creating a gaping hole that swallowed houses and people. On the avenue that, above it. Shit. Yeah. That's like a sinkhole. There goes my papers. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all hear I'm that? Just throwing things off. Oh my the gosh. Road. Yeah. So that is the first thing that happened in 1774, which is kind of, I don't know if there was collapses before that. I feel like, why would it take so long for the first collapse? But maybe it was just so much digging going on for so long. It finally just weakened maybe. at that point. So I over the, they just never thought about it. I don't think they did. Hmm. So over the next few years, more disasters happened. And finally, the king was like, you know, we should probably close this shit because it's stressing me out. And like things are collapsing. I mean, people people died. People are just getting sucked into holes. Right. So Louis XVI commissioned an architect by the names of by the name of Charles Axel Guillermo. 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 That's probably I don't know. I'm probably fucking it up i'm so sorry Whatever. french people just email us if you have i know i try just i took four no actually yeah i think i took four years of french you did i did took zero french i took four years of french so i with madame Paquet, and i'm sure that she'd be rolling her eyes at my, <laughs> my pronunciation sorry. right now i'm sorry madame Paquet. so uh, so he commissioned this architect to explore map and stabilize the quarries and Charles headed the newly created Inspectorate General of the Quarries, and they got to work on doing this. So many of the tunnel networks were isolated at this time. So what they did is they dug more tunnels to connect them and to kind of help map and, and connect the tunnels better because mm-hmm. they were just like all these tunnels just, just randomly. All over the place. Just fucking all over. So work went on until about 1780. By the 18th century, <clears throat> Parisian cemeteries such as Les Innocentes the largest cemetery in Paris were basically becoming overpopulated. Mm -hmm. So there were improper burials. There were open graves. There were unearthed corpses. I mean, what a mess. Could you imagine? Could you imagine our cemeteries being like that right now? Just walking down the street and being like, fuck, there's another dead guy on the street. Jesus, look at all those bodies over there. Oh, God. So obviously people living close to these places like these cemeteries begin complaining. It smells, okay? <laughs> it smells like dead bodies. Yeah, there's a strong stench of decomposing flesh, and also there's a risk of the spread of disease. Right, This yeah. is just not good. So in 1763, an edict was issued by Louis XV banning all burials from the capital, okay? But the church did not wish to disturb or move the cemeteries, hmm. okay? It was like a religious issue. Like, we're right. not moving the cemeteries. They opposed this. So everyone just kind of sat around for the next however many years with no solution. Oh, cool. Wow. Kind of sounds like what we fucking do now. Yeah. Like, they're like, I don't know. Let's just wait until somebody else comes up with a good idea. Yeah. Or let's just wait till there's a disaster. That's usually what it yeah, is. that's true. Let's just do that. So the situation persisted until about 1780 when an unusually long period of spring rain caused a wall around the Les Innocents Cemetery, mm, to collapse, gross. resulting in the spillage of rotting corpses 
into a neighboring property. Spillage. It was a spillage. Oh, like a gosh. tidal wave oh, of decomposing God. bodies just coming at you. <laughs> Why? <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine that? You're just like walking down the street with your Beckett. Yeah. With your Beckett. <laughs> just a fucking arm, a decomposing arm comes flying at you. Pretty much, yeah. Oh my gosh. So the French authorities are finally like, crap. We actually have to do <laughs> I guess something. guess we have to do something. Yeah, we got to do something. So the king ordered Guillermo to find a solution. He's like, look. He's the architect. Yeah. Okay. You're an architect. We need to figure this shit out. Tech okay. some arcs. Tech some arcs. And make it work. Yeah. So Guillermo was like, hmm, tunnels, corpses. Yeah, I think I got a plan here. Okay. Yeah. So they started relocating several thousand bodies and bones into the quarry tunnels. Okay. Yeah. So Paris authorities chose an easily accessible site that was at the time located outside the capital. It was the former Tomb Isoir quarries under the plain of Montrouge. And I know I'm fucking that all up, but we try. I gave it my best. Yeah. That's all we can do. That's all we can do. You just did my best. best. Yeah. So the first excavations were made from 1785 to 1787. And at first, the bones were placed pretty simply at the time. Architects started um, arranging the bones decorative, decoratively and artistically later. They would start putting them in, like, you know, circles and hearts. So were they using the bones to actually hold up the tunnel? Well, the tunnels were already there. Right. So, yes. So they I'm were gonna, stable enough. I, well, I'm going to get to that. Oh, okay. So the walls and pillars were completely lined with tibias, fibulas, and skulls. Oh, that's weird. It is weird, but really fucking cool. Yeah. So above the entrance, which is now the tourist entrance, a sign was placed that reads, Stop. This is the Empire of Death. Whoa. En français, of course. <laughs> of course. <laughs> we would not know. Now, to answer your question, there is a barrel, and I say... You know, I'm using air quotes, a barrel of bones. That's essentially a barrel shaped pillar assembled with thousands of bones. And I'll post a picture of this. It's really cool. And this was created in order to, to support the roof of a room called the Crypt of the Passion. So it does support. Oh, this is so weird. It's really fucking cool. Though. Who like. That's so weird that he thought of that and everybody was like, yeah, it sounds like a reasonable idea. Let's just rip the bodies apart and take their bones. But many of the bodies exhumed had not fully decomposed and had, I'm not done yet, and had reduced basically to large deposits of fat. So this is kind of what happens when you start decomposing. It's called adipocere. And so they, or it's basically corpse wax, they also call it, or palmitic (laughs) acid. Oh, sure. And it was collected and used for candles and soap. Corpse wax. Could you imagine using that as soap? Soap for what? Soap for who? What's happening? Oh, that is... <laughs> have you seen Fight Club? Oh, yes, I have. He uses the liposuction fat to make soap. <clears throat> well, same diff. I mean, if it works. Whatever works, people. In 1786, the former Tomb Isoir quarries were blessed and consecrated, and from that point on were known as the catacombs. So then this is all signed off by the church. The church is fine with this. Well, at this point, they don't think they had a choice. Something had to be done. Oh, okay. I see. The king was like, these are my orders. Right. 
I don't know why it didn't sound French at all. He's Italian. <laughs> I don't even know what that was. That was basically. He sounds like Mario and Luigi. That was the three cocktail <laughs> accent. <laughs> this does not belong to a country. This belongs to an amount it of beverage. It belongs to nothing and it belongs to nobody. <laughs> That's hilarious. So in case you're wondering what the word catacombs means, because I it was. is a very cool word. The word catacombs means a subterranean cemetery of galleries with recesses for tombs or an underground passageway or group of passageways. So the word referred originally only to the Roman catacombs, but now refers to any subterranean receptacle of the dead. So the French were not the first people to think of this. This was done before. Oh, the Romans had this. Okay. Yeah. No, the Romans were doing this forever. Okay. Yeah. So he... they The, the French were just really smart because they're like, we already have this shit. Right. Let's utilize it. We don't it. have to dig anything. We have, we have to dig nothing. You know? So that was very, And very the smart. shit's falling through. And the shit's falling through. The ground anyway, so... Exactly. You should build it up. Yes. So the entirety of the tunnels is about 200 miles. Wow. Yes. That's so a lot. The entirety of it is referred to the catacombs, but the part that's open to the public is only about two kilometers or 1.2 miles. Okay. So that's the part that you can go see. Mm-hmm. But that leaves a shit ton more miles, and most of those do not have bones. It just literally looks like limestone walls. Oh, okay. So there's a, a portion that has the bones in it, but there's also a large portion that doesn't of those 200 miles. Hmm. 200 miles. That's a lot. I can't even wrap my head around that. That's basically weaving all underneath Paris. That's scary. It's real. How did I not know this in 2004? (laughs) It's so cool. How are they still holding their buildings up and stuff? Well, I'll get to that too. Okay. So it took two years for all the bones from the late Innocent Cemetery to be transferred to the catacombs. Over the following decades, the bones of the dead were removed from the cemeteries around Paris for reburial in the catacombs. The practice of burying the newly dead directly into the catacombs began after the French Revolution. So they didn't even put them in cemeteries anymore. They're like, boop, there you go, catacombs. Catacombs. Catacomb. Also, this included unfortunate guillotine victims. They're like, guillotine, catacomb. Oh. (laughs) That makes sense. Yeah. So how many people do you think they have interred down there, April? Oh, you want me to guess? Yeah. It's like how many bubble gum? How, how many? I want to see if you're even close. <clears throat> 30,000. Six million people. Stop! <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. I was not expecting that. Yeah. Six million people are interred Six in the catacombs. People? Six million. And how, for how many years did they bury people there? Oh, for multiple years. I would probably say until the like, early 1900s at least. Oh, so like hundreds of years. Yeah. So well, not hundreds. I mean, it years. started in like 1786 when they started this. In early 1900s would be. Yeah. So some of the newest bones are from the French Revolution. Okay. While some of the oldest may date back to the Moravian era, which I'm fucking up again. Which was more than 1,200 years ago. Oh, yeah. Because I guess when the cemetery overflowed, they didn't really get to pick whose bones they No. So moved. All, they're all disarticulated and scattered. Oh. It's not like they were moving full skeletons over and they're like, right. this is so-and-so's grave. This is so... No. It's basically like, you're, this is just all bones. Yeah, we don't know. There's just it's so much a fuck, Yeah, it's just a clusterfuck. Yeah. So actually, National Geographic has a really cool article that I was reading 
It's called Ooh, I Under. Bet they do. They yeah, they're so cool. Yeah. It's called Under Paris. That interviews Philip Charlier, who is an archaeologist and a forensic pathologist, and he's actually he in the interview he was able to look at the individual bones and determine how many of the people died and how they lived, which is so cool to me. Oh, that one cool. had leprosy that he noticed. Hmm. One had Malta fever and was possibly a cheesemaker. How the fuck would you know? They yeah, were a because Malta fever usually struck people who would come into contact with infected animals and their secretions. Milk being a secretion. Oh, isn't that fascinating? I don't have to look that up. Yeah, I'd never heard of Malta fever. I didn't know you could get Malta fever from like a cow. Yeah. Well, we get all kinds of diseases from animals. That's true. Obviously. Obviously. <laughs> Look at where we are. Look at where we're sitting at this moment. So the catacombs has also served as a haven for people during wartime. During the Franco-Prussian War, a socialist insurgency established an autonomous government in the city and had to face the rival French Third Republic, which was established after Napoleon III's abdication hmm. 6,000 of the defeated insurgents hid in the catacombs oh so they were all milling around down there that's smart yeah during world war ii the germans established their bunker within the recesses of the tunnels and later the head of the resistance built their underground headquarters there too okay yeah there's all these little nooks and crannies oh my gosh can you imagine the amount of people that have gotten lost yeah, we're going to talk about that. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, and because of this, in 19... You had a perfect segue. <laughs> in 1955, entering the quarries became illegal. Don't you love how it took so long? 1955 was not that long ago no. in the scheme of things. They're like, okay, you guys, that's enough. Yeah. Get out. Get out of your bobby socks. You're not going in. Bobby <laughs> socks. <laughs> Did they wear bobby socks in France? I have no idea. I don't know. I think they... I feel like they were, like, super cool and hip and they're like you know sure smoking at cafes or some shit i mean yeah yeah exactly french yeah so mostly it became illegal to prevent accidents and people getting lost yeah because i hello 200 miles yeah who's not taking like a 12 pack of beers down to the catacombs (laughs) to your own entrance that nobody really even knows about yeah and like partying oh yeah so illegal or not you know, this doesn't stop pee. Oh, yeah, no. People at all. No. The peeps. The peeps. Be on the creeps. Let the people party. Yes. So in 1968, a student protest broke out and turned into a riot. The students used the catacomb tunnels to evade police and reconvene in other parts of the city. Dang. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, that jumped out. In the 1970s and 80s, a new movement started, and they call themselves cataphiles. These are the catacomb enthusiasts. So they're like the the mine people? Yeah. People that explore abandoned mines here? Yeah, pretty much. So during the 80s, kind of think punk culture. Remember the punk culture oh, yeah. of the 80s? Um, and I feel punk like rock. it was pretty hardcore in France, too. Hell yeah. They look so fucking cool. Oh, my God. <laughs> I love that I lived through that time. They were amazing. Uh, I'd, I'm sorry. I just have to digress for a minute. You were, no, you were nowhere even close to that, though. No, I wasn't. You, were, you like you thought I they were hung cool. out. Oh, but I that, those were my friends. Oh, those were literally my friends. I had this friend named Jake. He had the hugest mohawk in his head in like eighth grade. I'll never forget it. And I loved him so much. Oh, yeah. He was so great. It was so like the new wave people, slash but... punk. Those were my people. But I yeah, I didn't do it. Not, not even close. 
Weird. I was so boring. Though I did wear a beret in seventh grade every day for a year. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Just want everyone to know that. And there was a brooch on the front. Okay, bye. <laughs> You're basically French. And it was yellow. I'll never forget Aww. this yellow beret that I used to wear. Your mom was probably like, I probably Fine. thought I was so cool. You did. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. If That's pretty cool. far removed from the kid with the huge mohawk. I know, but I hung out with him and loved him. So huh. whatever. I love Hi, everyone. Jake. Hi, Jake. I know. I wish I could remember his last name. He was so cute. Okay. So yeah, punk culture. So, and then I said, oh, yes, my heyday. <laughs> <laughs> In your notes? It wasn't really that much of a heyday. I was like 13. Come on, people. Yeah, whatever. So teenagers discovered they could enter the quarry tunnels from the basement of their schools. Oh, that's cool. I never had... Any experience that cool no. when I was at school. Can you imagine this? Yeah. So they would meet in secret places, hold parties, stage performances, oh, yeah. create art, take drugs, you know. Sure, other things their parents wouldn't agree with. Yeah. But you're <laughs> so, underground. Nothing counts underground. Exactly. There are no rules. Yeah. So at first, no one really noticed or cared. But by the end of the 1980s, most of the city and private property owners had closed the entrances. Oh. Because they were like, look. Were there like people dying or they were just having fun? I think they were just having fun hmm. at that point. But, you know, but they also started an elite police unit and it was formed to start patrolling the tunnels. Oh, yeah. So at one point, police found one of these underground caverns was transformed into a secret amphitheater. Hell yeah. Complete with a giant cinema screen. Project projection. Proje- <laughs> okay. Projection. Uh-huh. Okay. Equipment. A couple of films and seats. The neighboring area was revamped into a fully stocked bar, a restaurant. Perhaps, yes. Yes. Where the patrons from the amphitheater would wander over and get a little I bit of a I would snack. go. I would go. I would 100% buy a ticket for that. I would go. You might go, but I'll get into wait where you may not want to go. That sounds so fun. It does actually sound fun. I don't, I, 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 I wouldn't do it. It's like the most secret clubhouse you could get. I know, but. Is it sketchy? It's underground and tight spaces. Oh, yeah, yeah, I just. That's ugh. true. So, but this is so funny because electric and phone lines had been professionally installed. <laughs> and so I the cops it. were totally baffled by this. So three days later, the police returned with experts from the French Board of Electricity to figure out where the power was coming from. Mm-hmm. The cables had been cut and a note was left behind that read, quote, do not try to find us. Oh, you'll never catch us. And the mystery remains to this I day. I love it. <laughs> some old man just took that to his grave. And right? it's the best secret he ever kept. It's like some rich guy probably who was just probably. like. Yeah. That is amazing. I love it. So cataphiles have probably dwindled in, in numbers since the 1980s. I mean, you know, the 1980s was like the Wild West. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But they are still very active. Oh. Their main activity is to explore and preserve the ancient galleries, but also they party. They party down there. Oh, yeah. One cataphile photographer was quoted as saying, you guys have no idea what's down there. Oh. I know. Which makes you want to see, but I don't really want to see. Tell me what's down there, though. I don't know. I'm not a cataphile. Okay, so He's how do they get in? He's not going to tell you. So how do they get in if all the stuff's closed except the tourist area? Oh, there's ways. There's secret ways. There's secret ways. Okay. They find ways. So there, and I, a lot of reading I did is it, there's also this really old train station that you can kind of enter through there mm-hmm. um, that was closed down, which is kind of another fun place to visit, I heard. It's kind of kind of hauntish, haunty-ish. This is also very much like an adventure video game, and I want to go. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that's how people 
feel when they're going in there. Yeah. So there are tons of urban legends associated with the tunnels. Secret meetings, neo-Nazi gatherings, oh, of course. satanic rites, yeah. and of course, ghosts. Oh, so ghosts. legends say you will begin to hear the walls speak if you're in there after midnight. Hard pass. And it's the disembodied voices of the dead urging you to go further and deeper into the catacombs until you are lost forever. Okay. Yeah. It's not as fun anymore. Mm-hmm. So the only really known case of a death, and I say known, I don't know. Yeah, There could knows? be more. Down in the catacombs happened in 1793. There was a man named Philibert Asper. He was a doorman at the Val de Grasse hospital, and he caught wind of a rumor that there was a secret stash of liquor under a convent. So he set out with only a candle to find it. So maybe he was intoxicated, or maybe the voices lured him deeper into the tunnels, Ooh. April. But either way, he got lost, and he was found 11 years later, a few steps from the exit. Like, he was so close. Oh, no. Maybe he had a heart attack or something. And he had a bottle of liquor in his hand. Oh, he tried. So <laughs> they, he really tried. They identified him by the hospital key ring on his belt. Oh. Yeah. So to this day, cataphiles revere Philibert is the guardian, the resonant ghostly presence of the cataphiles and the, and of course, an example of what not to do. Yeah, right. <laughs> so you take a torch and a backup torch. Yeah. Okay. They say each year on November 3rd, his ghost haunts the labyrinth of the catacombs. Wow. I know, right? So in the early 1990s, a group of cataphiles found a video camera on the ground the camera had footage on it. Okay. And as they watched the footage, you could hear disturbing noises. It became clear that whoever was holding this camera was lost, could not find their way out. Uh-oh. And it kind of almost sounded like they were just going like bonkers, like kind of crazy. Like freaking out. Yeah, like totally freaking out inside this inside the tunnels. The footage ends abruptly with the video camera dropping on the ground, like into this little puddle of water, and you just see like feet running away from it. Oh. And to this day, no one knows who this man is, if he escaped alive, or even if this footage is real. Hmm. But you can find the video online. You can go find it. I'm going to. It's like a minute and a half, I think. It is really creepy. Yeah. It's very, very what creepy. What year was it? it? Early 1990s. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, crazy, huh? Hmm. In 2017, two teenagers, aged 16 and 17, were lost in the tunnel for three days. Oh, shit. They are finally found when the search team brought in dogs, but they had to be treated for hypothermia. Oh. Yeah. I mean, think about that. Do they fill with water? Yes, that's what okay. I'm going to talk about. So um, you can actually watch videos on YouTube of this ca- of the cataphiles. Like, I, it's kind of secret what they do, but there are videos that you can watch. They probably and, just don't show how they get in. Well, one did. It was under that uh, train thing I told yeah. you about. Um, but they make their way through the tunnels that are off limits to tourists. So not the part that you pay for. Mm-hmm. And it looks, I'm sorry, but it looks like a fucking nightmare. Okay. I would definitely go to the touristy part any day of the week. <laughs> the other part. So, yes, there are very large sections that are filled with water. Mm-hmm. So they will, they come up to your thighs or higher oh so you have to slog through that they are literally crawling through the tiniest little holes. oh no that's what i mean when no, you no, watch no. the videos of this and you think oh that sounds so cool and then you watch it and it looks terrifying 
I mean, I'm not a spelunker, okay? <laughs> I'll never be a spelunker. No. I, like, my claustrophobia would kick in so hard. I mean, yeah. I would panic and have to get out of there. You're that guy with a video camera that drops it. I would runs. be the panic guy with a video camera, like, freaking the fuck out. Yeah. And it's weird, because in that video camera one, actually, it looks like he's, like, standing in, like, a hallway. Like, it's not even, like, a small, yeah. crawly thing. Um, and a lot of it, a lot of the sections are, you could just stand up kind of like you're walking down the hallway of your house. Right. Um, but no, there are tons of sections where you are literally crawling through. <laughs> I'm talking with my hands. Yeah. You're literally crawling through these tight little spaces. And it's so weird because like you crawl through these tight little spaces and then it opens up into this humongous cavern. Wow. And then people have painted and I, I don't, I mean, I use the word graffiti, but some of them, I mean... Graffiti can be beautiful. Mm-hmm. Like there, it is art. Yeah. They have really done some beautiful things down there. And, you know, did you ever watch uh, Phantom of the Opera? No. Well, in Phantom of the Opera, he's like on a boat in this lake or whatever. Mm-hmm. There actually is a lake under the opera house because <laughs> it's like filled with water under there. Whoa. Yeah. And there's fish in there. And I guess they feed the mussels. The staff feeds the mussels. What? Yeah. And oh, and also when you're walking through or crawling through these tunnels, there's just these shafts that go down that are just completely filled with water. People will scuba dive down there. Okay. Bye. No, thank you. I, yeah, no. I was thinking it was just like a hallway lined with bones. Well, and some of it is. That's what I'm talking about. That's the touristy part. Okay. Now we've left the touristy part. Okay. We've left the 1.2 miles, and we're now wandering the 198 more. Yeah, I can't do the small miles. spaces. No, I'm telling you, it sounds cool, but and I don't even see how people find their way out. But they do, and they meet down there. It's their thing, um, and mo- like a, I would say, there's kind of an understanding. Like they don't, if you're gonna paint, you don't paint over like old antiquity stuff yeah you don't you know like they want to preserve mural well they want to preserve like the old stuff yeah of you know and and really map out all these tunnels because Mm -hmm. a lot of them aren't mapped out that's crazy no it's really crazy those people are brave yes so um yeah i talked about the tiny passages and the waterlogged passages i mean tunnels like the width of a slim child think about that no, I don't want to. Yes. And one YouTube video I watched. Oh, my God. What is the guy's name? I'll go ahead and give him a plug because it was actually a really good video. I think it was called like Exploring with Joshua or something like that. That's cute. Yeah. That and um, he does a lot of stuff. But he was an American and he went to France and he was crawling through these things. And they were just like crawling. And it was just like there they there were bones in there. They were just like, and they didn't, they felt bad because he's like, I don't want to walk on these bones, but they were just like piled in there. It wasn't like the touristy part, yeah. but they were just like piled in there. Hmm. Yeah, no, it's bonkers. So they definitely lost interest in their architecture part of it at some I point. I guess so. <laughs> and they just started shoving <laughs> They're just like, here we bodies. go. Yeah. <sighs> I know. Isn't that nuts? Weird. Yeah. So where do they bury French people now? <laughs> not the catacombs anymore do they just have regular cemeteries i'm sure they have regular cemeteries yeah so since the 19th century some of the tunnels were used for growing mushrooms oh that makes sense yeah as they thrive in the dark damp conditions and it started with a man named de chambray which is such a cool name who was exploring the tunnels and saw little mushrooms just growing away in there and was like huh 
what a great idea. Maybe I'll grow my own down here. And then a bunch of people followed suit. So pretty soon the practice was accepted by the French National Society of Horticulture. Huh. And now such activity has ceased. That's people like, don't really do that anymore. That's but. like people who grow pot in the woods in California. Yeah. Except you grow mushrooms in it. But these are actual eating mushrooms. Yeah. Not mushrooms you're going to get high Drug on. mushrooms. <laughs> so modern day inspectors continue the work started by Guillermo which you asked earlier how they're not collapsing. Yes. So they they do have a group of inspectors. I don't know how many there are, but they do go in the tunnels and make sure that they're not going to collapse. Oh, so like okay. reinforcing them or yes. whatever? So they are from the Inspection Generale de Carrière, the IGC. That's what they're called. Okay. Yeah, and so it's their job to make sure Paris doesn't collapse into the quarries. Which yeah, is no kidding. a really good idea. Okay. <laughs> Can we rewind and go back to the opera house that's on top of a lake? Yeah. <laughs> yes. I'm having such a hard time visualizing this. Yeah, you can look it up and see a video of it. It's like really dark down there. And you know what? They can they come down like how 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 down? How it's... how down? Where's the floor? <laughs> <laughs> is how it down? to the side? Is it down? I'm trying to think how many feet it was. I want to say it was like twelve feet deep. It wasn't like super deep lake. But the firemen, I don't know what they're called in France. I forget what they're called. But they actually do, they go down there and do like simulations and stuff to help them, you know, train. I'm really having a hard time. Look it up. Like I need to know how thick the floor is and how they're getting down there. I think they go through the floor. It's like, which is basically the roof, just basically. So it's just like a big hole. Yeah, it looks like a big open, uh, open. <laughs> it looks like a big open cavern, and then you just see the water. That's so bizarre to me. It is very bizarre. Like, this is what's so fucking cool about Europe, and nothing in in America is like this like, at all. Well, America's too new. Like the physics well, of America's it, not new. Our asses here are new. Well, no, I know. What I'm, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. I know what you're saying. Architecture. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Like, I'm trying to imagine, like, the physics of it, and it just, like, is not making sense to me. I know. It's very so I'll cool, just though. have to look it up. Yeah, look it up. Go to YouTube. YouTube has all. It just There's like so many videos in. you can watch of people going through the tunnels, and it's re- it is really fun. to. I went down the rabbit hole because it's fun to watch them, but mm-hmm. I could never do it. No. Never. We watch the, um, the mine exploring videos sometimes, where they, like, explore old mines oh, that are yeah, abandoned. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But those are much bigger. They had to fit like machinery and oh, okay. stuff through. So they're like hallway size. Okay. And then they also have like the big caverns because they, you know, drilled up in looking for gold and silver. Oh, yeah. So I could imagine that part. But some of it I just can't. <sighs> yeah. I'm trying to picture it. Yeah. Watch it. It's really cool. Okay. It is really cool. And when I was reading about the cataphiles... Though someone was saying cataphils, and I'm like, that doesn't sound right. But whatever. Whatever you call yourselves, it's very cool. Um, I couldn't do it, but I slightly envy you. Yeah. Because <laughs> it does. It's like there's this excitement to it. Um, but it's, it's kind of like when you're underground, everyone's equal. That's kind of their, their oh. thought process. Like nobody is better than anyone else. No one is worse than anyone else. There's no like ringleader. There's no, yeah. It's just like everyone is equal because it's like, you know, all the whole caste system of, of how, you know, especially I feel like Europe has, is really had that, yeah. you know, um, more so than America per se, because mm-hmm. America is technically so new in that aspect mm-hmm. of, you know, Europeans coming over here. But 
the caste system is like a huge thing and not so much nowadays, obviously, but yeah. So everyone underground. I'm sure some of it still remains though. It does. Yeah. I mean, even here it does. Yeah. You know, but yeah, everyone's equal. That's cool. It is pretty cool. That is pretty punk rock. It is very punk rock. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it is. So yeah. So these modern day inspectors still continue to look after the tunnels and small collapses still happen every year. Very small ones. But as recently as 1961, the earth swallowed an entire neighborhood in the southern suburbs, killing 21 people. No. So this is like a thing, guys. Hard pass. Yeah. Not moving to France. Sorry. (laughs) It's off my list. Well, just don't live in Paris. You could still move to France. Oh, yeah. That's true. Just don't go where the tunnels are. That's true. Yeah. So like I said, you can visit the catacombs. Um. You could buy a ticket. I think I I looked online because I'm like, I wonder if they're still doing it with COVID. But it looked like there was like no group, you know, things. But you can buy individual tickets still. Mm-hmm. And so from the street level to the catacombs, you'll descend through a series of rocky strata that date from 45 million years ago. Wow. Which is so cool. That is cool. Yeah. So buy a ticket. Buy a ticket. Go to the catacombs. Are we going to do that on our trip to France and... Europe. I will do the touristy part. Okay. I feel like that would be safe. Oh, yeah. I'm not doing the secret part. Yeah. And then you could see all because that's where all the bones are lined up mm-hmm. and like up on the ceiling and, you know, that's so creepy. and it's like you look at them and you think these are actual people who lived and had a life and and now are just like drywall. And now they're just, it's so weird. It's so weird. But like it just speaks to me in some weird way. weird way i'm just i don't know i love it i love it so much it's definitely something i would want to see we're adding it to our list yeah we have a long trip to take we do and it's funny because when i was watching i think it was the exploring with joshua he's like i'm not gonna go to the you know the touristy part i hate tours and i'm like okay joshua just because I pay to go somewhere and you don't pay to go somewhere, you're still a fucking tourist. I'm sorry to tell you, yeah. you're still a tourist down in the in the catacombs. You're not a French person. E- e- yeah, you're still tour- touring it. Yeah. So I'm sorry to burst your bubble, Joshua. <laughs> I kind of get that. I know what he's saying. I love doing the air quotes touristy shit. I know shit. what he's saying, but like, but he could, yeah. I know. Air quotes. He's on his own... <laughs> He had his own vibe, man. Yeah, he's on his own thing. He's a he's a he's a person of the world. We get it. Yeah, we get it. <laughs> well, he's definitely braver than me, so yeah, you know, he did his thing, and I did enjoy his video a lot because I wouldn't do it, so it was fun to watch him do it. That's good. <laughs> so go watch him. Well, so yeah, that's the category. That was awesome. I'm glad you liked it. That was way more fun than your previous stories. <laughs> have been lately that's all right don't worry we're going to the dark again oh man the dark i don't know what i'm gonna do next well you gotta think about it someone needs to give us some suggestions hello yeah email us email us speaking of that you can email us at killerspiritspod at gmail.com you can find us on twitter at killer spirits on instagram at killer spirits pod on patreon at patreon.com backslash killer spirits which is where we post our pictures doobly doos doobly doos (laughs) our videos yeah of us making the drinks with recipes and um oh and we're also on tiktok at killer spirits pod yeah and go rate and review rate and review us we would love it we would love it and i don't know reach out to us we'd like to hear from you guys and we love you guys thank you so much for listening bye bye